Welcome to the Pattern Podcast from KXE in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see this city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them into practice every day. For this episode, we caught up with Pete Gregg to talk about the practice of solitude. Pete is the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement and senior pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Guildford. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, Pete casts a stunning vision for why solitude is just about one of the most formative and radical things we can practice in our apprenticeship to Jesus. Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're here to talk about solitude uh, today. Could you just talk to us a little bit about it? It, it obviously sounds in some ways self-explanatory, like it's being yes. on your own. Um, but how have you come to understand it? How is it a distinctively spiritual practice, Christian practice, rather than just being alone in a room by yourself? So solitude is that essential spiritual discipline by which we cultivate the architecture of silence, and stillness in a chaotic, noisy, busy, toxic culture. And it's distinctively Christian, although it's not exclusively Christian, of course, you can mm. practice solitude in any faith or none. But it's distinctively Christian that Jesus pursued solitude. He, he launched his entire, well, he spent the first 30 years of his life, we don't really know what he was doing other than a bit of carpentry. Mm. Then he launched his ministry with 40 days completely alone in the wilderness. Then at every key moment, he pursues solitude. So before he chooses his disciples, he stays up all night on his own praying. Uh, there's that lovely, in Mark chapter 6, there's this amazing chapter of the Bible where the pace is breathtaking. Mm -hmm. Jesus, first of all, gets rejected in his hometown so that's like that's that's the most profound kind of rejection you can experience right the people who know you best love you best have said no thank you then jesus sends out his disciples on their first great missions trip then the news comes through that john the baptist has been killed which leaves jesus presumably alone because the disciples are off on a missions trip by the way often the bad news comes when you're on your own and and he, he's trying to process what's the right thing to do. Am I next? Am I about to get arrested? Is it responsible to lead my own disciples into this? So Jesus is going through all of every, you know, rejection, fear, grief and bereavement. Then the disciples come back totally no EQ, totally failed to read Jesus' mood. <laughs> like They're like, rah, rah, all the good news. Even the demons have obeyed us. Many, we're told, were set free and healed. So they're like buzzing. So again, it's like life. The bad stuff and the good stuff comes all at once. Mm -hmm. Life's not a, a movie with a narrative arc where you have like bad stuff, or good stuff, then bad stuff, then good stuff. It's like the average day is all of the above, mm. right? And we don't have to navigate it because guess what? Hollywood doesn't train us how to do that. So Jesus in that place, trying to steward busyness, stress, pressure. We read in Mark 6, they were so busy, they hadn't got enough time to eat. Mm. So Jesus mismanaging his work-life rhythms. Just after this, by the way, he feeds the 5,000. So this is a just get the pace and intensity of that chapter. And in the middle is his first. Jesus says to the disciples, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Hmm. So the invitation of Christ, who began his ministry in the wilderness alone, 
who sought solitude at all the key moments of his life, in spite of mass popularity and colossal demand and pressure, is come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. And that presumably is still the invitation mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit to us in busy cities at a busy time in history. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. I mean, is that, does that give us a window in here? We put this as a, a spiritual practice that helps us be with Jesus. So yes. obviously he went and did it a lot himself. Yeah. Talk to us a bit about how solitude helps us actually be with Jesus. Firstly, the human soul is a wild animal. It's shy. So if you crash around in the undergrowth, you ain't going to see it. You ain't going to hear it. Like I, I was, as a teenager, I, this is the least rock and roll thing you've ever heard, but I was really into natural history. I, I, I wanted to be a naturalist, a zoologist. And I would get up very early and build hides to sit quietly in the hope of seeing a deer or whatever. Or I'd stay out very late at night, not out at parties trying to spot badgers and, I, and being upwind and all that stuff. And I can tell you, you have to be still. And that is the human soul. And so you will be fundamentally out of touch with yourself if you don't seek solitude. And then we're told that, you know, God speaks in a still small voice. So if you're like noisy all the time, you are going to struggle to to hear him. And then also Jesus just hasn't got the same Messiah complex that you and I do. (laughs) Weirdly enough, so you have to slow down. Mm. Otherwise, you're out of step with him, right? You can't you can't walk with him unless you slow down because he's not in a hurry because he's got all the time in the world, right? It's so mm. annoying. Whereas we're so frightened of dying, we're racing through life, ironically. Mm. So you have to slow down, you have to quieten down, and you have to still down if you're going to connect with your own soul and hear 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 the Lord. Does that? Is that too it, metaphorical? No, no, right? no, it okay. totally is. In, I'll give you Bible verses if you want. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just to reassure the, all the fundamentalists out there. And does that mean, I mean, does that mean there's a deep connection here with prayer? Is, yeah. is that what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the root words of prayer is hesikia, which means to come to rest. Praying isn't really something we do. At one level, pray, prayer is when we stop doing and start being with God. Um, you know, if my relationship with my wife didn't involve conversation, it would be a bad relationship. But equally, if we only ever talked incessantly at each other, it's not a good relationship. We all know the most beautiful relationships. You are those of people able to sit quietly by the fire, wordlessly together. So prayer is 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 a becoming and a being and not just a doing. That's where prayer, um, you know, at, at its simplest is asking, right? But at its deepest, it's communion with God and I know you've had other sessions in in, in this podcast looking at that so um, yeah and the, the, the work we do if, if, if you like the thing that we do in solitude if it's you asked about being distinctively Christian is, mm. is, is prayer mm. that's that's the solitude isn't just a sort of absence it is a pushing into or coming to rest in the presence of God because in that sense are we, are we, we're not saying that solitude is the end in it in itself Right, we're not being no. alone to be better at being alone, or are we? Is is it's to be with Jesus? It's it's a means to that end. Is that what? We're yeah, saying? I, I think um, you know. I mean, Henri Nouwen says solitude is the furnace of transformation, and then he says this cool thing. He says it is that solitude is the place of the great struggle and the great encounter, the struggle against the compulsions of the false self, and the encounter 
with a loving God who offers himself as the substance of the new self. So solitude is not just let's get away from the grind to recharge our batteries a bit. I mean, there is value in that. It is also the stilling I've just referred to, to hear God, but it's also a a place of wrestling. It's actually a a difficult place. I mean, remember I said, Jesus, solitude, 40 days in the wilderness. You know, it wasn't 40 days at a spa break. (laughs) It It was no food. It was hot. It was dusty. He was sleeping on a rock. It's hard, and and it was a place of wrestling with the devil. And so, I I think the reason why we tend to avoid solitude is is that we're fundamentally scared of of sitting alone in a room, mm. of being alone mm. with ourselves and with God. Mm. Um, I, I, the the culture wears camouflage, like continue. It's all smokes and smoke and mirrors. We continually bombard us. That's very hard to know even what. When people say to me, how are you? I often think I have no mm-hmm. idea the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not until I find sol- solitude, stillness, and silence that I begin to get acquainted with myself and I start to recognize things. You know, we all have those moments you wake in three in the morning and suddenly you're replaying the day and you go, I can't believe I said that to her. Mm. What an idiot. Or you have that moment of, my attitude stinks. And I just need to admit it. You know, there's the, there's an honesty in those moments. So solitude is this place of profound recognition and therefore a place of relinquishment where we can go, mm. I surrender. Without that, we're just like, we become the culture. Mm-hmm. It's not just that we're influenced. We become the culture. You will literally start to manifest everything in the culture, either formed by the Holy Spirit or by the culture. And so we, we have to some points step out of the cultural norms and into the eternity of the Holy Spirit that we might become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to jump in because mm-hmm. I've, I've got a question. I'm listening to that and it sounds absolutely incredible. Um, but as someone as who's a raging extrovert, <laughs> like I have quite a lot of beef, I think, sometimes with the spiritual disciplines around is it, are they just for introverted people and therefore am I destined to be an unholy person forever and ever? Because it just doesn't come naturally, this this idea of just being on my own. Yeah. It sends me a little bit mental. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing is that we're all on, on an extrovert-introvert spectrum. You get very few people who are like off the charts introverted and off the charts extroverted, but probably even you aren't like, there's probably a tiny bit of, introvert in you somewhere buried under the word. <laughs> um, but um, I think extroverts need solitude more perha- perhaps even than introverts, even though it, it is difficult. Um, and, and that is um, because there are aspects of yourself and of God that you cannot just find in, 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 in other people. And, um, there is something about, you know, Romans 12, 1 says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. I, I, what I'm hearing you say, actually, is not, I can't do solitude, but it's a sacrifice. Whereas an introvert, it's something they desire, they dream of, yeah. right? Yeah. That moment where everyone leaves the house, the door shuts, and you get a little thrill of excitement to realize I'm alone in a house, which I think for massive extroverts is a moment of, of Fall to the ground. terror. <laughs> Who can I text? Oh, Who can right. I phone? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so... So I think 
but I, I would encourage you to push into that as a moment of sacrifice because I think there are things that God can do with you and speak to you there that you can't anywhere else. And I think there are ways of praying in a, a solitary context that work for an extrovert. For example, pray out loud. Much easier to do uh, when you're on your own. Um, journaling, um, you know, uh, if, if, find interactive. I'll tell you one thing I, I do, because I'm on the spectrum in the middle between introvert and extrovert. I have a guy I go on a, a, a solitary retreat with, which sounds like a contradiction in terms, but it just really works. And I encourage people to find a, a solitude buddy if they're like a crazy extrovert. Mm. And i tell you what we do. We go to these lovely old monasteries, and our rhythm will be, we'll do one of the prayer times with the monks at the start of the day, uh, and then we'll probably have a tiny little natter over a coffee, and then we'll say, see you at lunchtime. And so you've got three hours of, like, reading, journaling, you know, whatever, going for a walk, etc. Then we come together at lunch and we'll natter, we'll talk about what we've been reading, what we've been thinking about, um, sometimes it's nonsense, but sometimes it's quite deep. We'll do a similar thing. We'll break for a nice bit of cake at 4 p.m. over a cup of tea, maybe have another hour, you know, another time of prayer with the monks. And the evening we go to a pub near this particular monastery and we'll just have a good old catch-up. So... The, you've actually got three chunks of like several hours of yeah. solitude yeah. and silence and stillness in the day, but you're bookending it with a, pro a chance to... Uh, process with others so you're kind of tricking yourself into it so I think there are there are ways that even extroverts can do it um, our world is lonely and the antidote to loneliness is actually not being with lots of people the antidote to loneliness is solitude because solitude is how you learn um, to be really comfortable with yourself and with God without any anything to hide behind which then enables you to be in a crowd as a contribution rather than a consumer. Yeah. Right? So if you are if your extroversion means that you hide from solitude, so you're only ever in a crowd, you're actually probably most in the crowd to get something. There is an ability to give something once you face the demons of being on your own that enable you to say, I, I'm actually okay. I'm not dependent on this crowd. I, you can go away and be I'm okay with that. That enables you to be a, contri a contribution there. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people, some people spend a lot of time on their own, but they're deeply lonely, but it's not really solitude. It's actually a, mm -hmm. a form of um, phobia almost. So I don't think this is an extrovert-introvert thing. I think it's just the human soul, particularly the way we relate to God, requires times of solitude with God. And, and there are different challenges for introverts to extroverts. It's not just easy for introverts and hard for extroverts. Mm. And I would be saying to introverts, and I'm sure you've got other podcasts on this, you, you've got to push into fellowship as well. So it's a challenge all around. Mm. Peter, let's try and get on to sort of, um, if that was sort of what is it, what difference does it make? So on two fronts here yeah. what, what how how for you personally maybe but also in those you've traveled on this journey with like how has it changed your relationship with jesus and then in some ways how has it changed you as a person and obviously they're related but how has it changed your relationship with jesus as you've managed to lean in on this practice of solitude well, i think the first thing is what i said earlier that that in solitude you can't you can't hide anymore so there's kind of a you know that thing in the Garden of Eden that the, the moment Adam and Eve 
sin, their first instinct is to hide. And we always talk with sort of reformed mindset of it was ashamed of our sins, so we have to hide from God. But I wonder if in that moment they weren't that stupid. Maybe they were actually ashamed of their nakedness. They were hiding from themselves somehow. Hmm. It's like sometimes in the presence of God, we try and hide from ourselves. I think solitude is, first of all, that place of kind of X-ray, like, presence with ourselves and with God. So I think that, that's, um, that's an important thing for me because as a leader, it's really easy, first of all, to be so crazy busy that I burn out. Hmm. And secondly, to use people as cogs in my own ego projection universe. I think we can all do that. I think like tiger mums can do it. I think, you know, A-type businessman, anyone. And I think there is a sort of dying about solitude um, that says, you know what? The world goes on quite well without me. Um, And... um, you know, I, I was really challenged. I, I had tea last week with a, a church leader who is really interesting. He's, he, he, he lived through and loved all that Toronto blessing stuff. Some of the, the people listening will be familiar with, which is, you know, amazing visitation of the Holy Spirit and lots of wild and some frankly weird stuff took place. And he said to me, I'm longing for that, but not the same thing again. I feel like I want that intensity of the Spirit's presence, but I think it might be around the contemplative. I think that's mm-hmm. where... And I and we had a great conversation about the relationship between the charismatic and the contemplative, which are actually the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's almost impossible to be one without being the other. And then he got all serious. He said, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think he shared this widely, so I'm not going to give you his name. But he said, a few years ago, God spoke to me through a particular scripture, that bit about Zechariah, it says he stood before the Lord. And God said to me, I want you to every day stand before me. And he said, I, I was really wondering what on earth is that when someone in America got in touch with him and said, I and gave him that very verse. Right. So he knew it was God. So he said, I began to stand for an hour every day before God. And I'm like, it's like in front of some icon. He's like, no, just like in my study, I stood. And I said, why did you have to stand? He said, because God said it, probably so I didn't fall asleep. And I said, what happened? And he, he just, he, he said, it became, he did it for over two years. He said, some days, he, an hour wasn't enough. He'd spend two hours or two and a half hours. He said, sometimes I would be so overwhelmed with emotion, I'd just start weeping. He said, obviously, there were other days where I thought, what on earth am I doing? I'm busy. This is a complete waste of time. He said, the Lord just drew me into an encounter with him that wasn't about words, wasn't about, you know, an exchange, a transactional exchange, wasn't about learning from the Bible. He said it was just literally standing in his Mm. presence. And you could tell, I mean, there's a holiness. Even as you're talking about there's a holiness on it. And I I think, you know, I said at the start, solitude is is about the architecture of, of silence and stillness. And when we make that space, and it will not come to you, like you have to make this. When you make the space in your schedule and your day and your psyche for solitude, it is a place of encounter with God that is um, qualitatively different to any other. Amazing. And and 
in that then how has it shaped you as a person your character you are you know we're, we're talking here yeah. about being with jesus to yeah. become like jesus to yeah. do what jesus did there's a, a relationship between all those how is it that you've become more like jesus or those you've seen that that guy that you've spoken about there well i think um you know that the, the bible says the, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond all understanding so it's very hard to know your own heart but I would say that if you're not regularly creating space to be alone and silent and still, you are definitely in deception. Mm. Um, your, your perception of yourself is deceived. Mm. It's only informed by what you feel, by what the culture, the people you hang out with are telling you. That's it. How is that true? Like, so solitude is the context of, of nakedness before God, of just... This is actually who I am. And so I'm going to say something I suspect very few other people have said on your podcasts. This becoming like Jesus thing. Here's, here's the thing they don't tell you. All the great saints, as they go on, feel less holy, not more holy as the years go on. Mm. Mm. It's something like the closer you get to the light, the more aware you are mm. of your own dirt. Mm. And, you know, if you talk to any person you know who you think well they are translucently holy there's an awareness of their own sin mm. and actually if you talk to someone who's like yeah i'm pretty holy you know they're not so maybe there's a humility chip in here as well so i feel conflicted by you saying so how <laughs> how have you become <laughs> so holy through solitude i'm thinking i i think i feel more sinful than i ever mm. ever did but what i do know is this that in solitude, God will often tick me off. You know, it's easy to wriggle until you're just eyeballing God. Um, in solitude, I'll often relinquish my Messiah complex, my ego drive. I'll often go into a time of prayer uh, angry with someone, like someone's let me down, someone's just not pulling their weight, someone's not doing something. And then as I enter into solitude, I realize, Oh, it really doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> I come out with more grace mm. for myself and for other people. In the words of Monty Python, you know, <laughs> you know, he's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. You just, <laughs> you just come out of your, your your time of prayer, silence, stillness, solitude. Going, I don't have to be the Messiah. I don't have to save the world. Mm. I'm actually just quite a naughty boy, but I think I'm loved. Mm. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I was really interested what you said. We were talking about um, how it affects our relationships. You mentioned it there about like, having more grace with people. Mm. And I think one of the things that, as we are learning on the, um, as we go through this stuff with pattern, is a lot of things people are saying around these spiritual disciplines are they just introspective activities? And then you've got yeah. other people at the other end of the spectrum who just want to get the stuff done. Like, how does this shape um, the, the quality of our relationships? And, and how does it like? How do you anticipate solitude enabling people to step into doing more of the stuff? That Bonhoeffer in his brilliant book Life Together, he writes about this, and he says, um, you know, the person who feels called to community that doesn't know how to be on their own is is, is kind of in. I think I saw mm, a copy on your shelf up there. It is kind of dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then he flips it and says, and the person who's like really into solitude, you know, but isn't in community is in danger. And so. 
Um, you know, Jesus is our model. You know, Myers-Briggs actually is not our roadmap for discipleship. Jesus is. And what Jesus modeled was yeah. getting up early to seek solitude with the Father, staying up late. Some of you are like, oh, Jesus was just an early bird. No, he, he did both. And he was presumably busier, right? I mean, half the disciples, 12 of them, what were half of them doing? And, and Peter mostly just fell asleep. I mean, he was really good at falling asleep if you read the story of Peter. So, um, Jesus was busy. He had quite a lot of pressure, quite a lot of expectation on him, but he pursued um, this this space. But he's Trinity, like he's kind of big on family. <laughs> like you know, he kind of invented the church. He was reinventing the twelve tribes of Israel. If we're going to renew, you know, all things, you know, there's going to be it's a new city, right? So that's a lot of people. Um, it, it, it's new family models. It, 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 it's a new it's a new family of societies. You know, every tribe and town. So so this is all about community. But I, I'm telling you as a fact, you cannot do relationships right, and and you certainly cannot do relationships selflessly if you do not push into the wilderness of solitude. Okay, so people listening to this, they're sold, right? They're, they're, they're captivated by the vision of it. Um, they want it, desiring it. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> you've got to get going on it. You've yeah. got to overcome some of the challenges. What, what are, what are, um, can you put your finger on some of the things that are, are the... Um, Steps to solitude. Well, well, what are the things that stop us, actually, to okay. begin with? And then we'll see what, how we can overcome them. So like, what, are the, yeah, what yeah. are the things that make this hard? Oh, we just, I, I said earlier, we were just scared of being alone. Like deep down, yeah, which is actually about confronting our unimportance in the world and our mortality. Hmm. I mean, if you really want to get deeply psychoanalytical, none of us want to face the fact we're dying. We've got a limited number of minutes. We just used up however many on this podcast, <laughs> and, and we're actually really not that big a deal around here. You know, not, those are the great terrors of, of you know security and significance. Without God, you ain't got none. Like. Welcome to the atheist worldview, people. It's such great news. <laughs> You're an infinite universe in which you are utterly meaningless and your time is running out. Um, so, so, so those, I mean, it's as primal as yeah. that, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I think what we have to do is name it. And because I've, I've slightly joked about that now, and I think that's what you have to do. You have to call and go, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous that the street out here is filled with people who think they're going to live forever and think they're massively important. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. So let's name that. And then like, as always happens, when you push into the shadows, you find the light. Okay. So push into the shadow that, you know, you are going to die and you're not that big a deal. Like all that millennial bull about, you know, just follow your dreams. You saw the guy who just climbed the shard. Mm a free climber, like idiot could have died. You know, I kind, of, I kind of respect him for it. And then, and then his statement was like Instagram mulch. I just want to show a generation that you should believe your dreams. I'm like, you climbed the shard and nearly died to tell us that. Like a 13 year old girl could have illustrated that with pony pictures, like please, you know, actually most people who follow their dreams don't see them happen, you know, that whole thing. So let's push into our mortality. Let's push into our, uh, the humility of our mortality. That's, that is the place of solitude and uh, just, just being, just daring to be. It, it feels alongside that, that there's just an addiction to distraction as well mm. um 
we we seem fine tuned now to entertainment um, and hardwired for entertainment over maybe over intimacy and all of those sort of things. What would you say specifically to that? Well, the world of flesh and the devil are all trying to exploit the fears which I've just tried to outline. Um, the world in the Western world, which is primarily worshipping mammon right so it's primarily about money is about how do we exploit your fear of death your desire to be important your mm. desire to be you know all these things in order to make money out of you which is pretty mm. pathetic really but let's be honest that's what so so of course gazillions are being spent in silicon valley and everywhere else to make you addicted to technology purely for the sake of exploiting you, right? You know, clickbait and all that stuff. Um, then, you know, the flesh will try and exploit it, right? The flesh does not want to accept that it's dying. And so we'll do a whole bunch of stuff to try and avoid that. And, 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 and the devil, you know, the devil will do anything he can. So, you know, we have to, I mean, I would say that, you know, solitude with your smartphone on is doesn't exist mm -hmm. like to, to 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 be alone but 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 with with your tech plugged in you, you just are not alone and and i suspect for many people the wilderness begins the gateway mm -hmm. to the wilderness mm -hmm. is is buying a nokia 3310 and 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 saying one day a week i'll carry this around for emergencies mm -hmm. So By the actually, way, you can get them for 40 quid on Argos right now. <laughs> and as long as the only thing you can play, I think, is Tetris and Snakes. That's about your only distraction. So good. But, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that, that will probably then become your addiction. <laughs> it, it sounds to me it's, like, it's pretty radical then, really, Solitude, in, in a, as a, against that cultural backdrop. Yeah, it's I think it's prophetic to, to, to our culture. Like, like, you ask people how they're doing, they always announce how busy they are. Like, when did anyone just go, oh, I've got a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Like, not that busy. Um, actually, I've, I've started doing that, and people always, I literally haven't yet had someone not laugh. When they, I had someone yesterday say, is it okay to call you tomorrow? You're probably busy. I said, I've just got so much time, it's ridiculous. Like, people always laugh, because it's just so the opposite the show. of what the culture says. By the way, I did just miss her call earlier, but that's another issue. <laughs> <laughs> They're listening back on this. So what's the, what are some of those um, first steps, practical steps? Okay, so let's just say the first one is to get a Nokia 3310, yeah. <laughs> 40 quid from Argos, uh, and, 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 you know, that's what comes with you when you're pushing into solitude for whether it's three hours or whatever it is. Um, I think the second step is you do have to schedule it. It's not just going to come to you. So, you know, plan it. And boy, I mean, to be honest with you, like one of the things I do is I do a, a day's walk every, um, about every six weeks, and um, which I love. But you wouldn't believe the number of times I've compromised on that because when every pressure is coming and someone needs mm. a two-hour meeting and what, and you're, you feel selfish, right? Like, it's, it's a walk in the car. It's literally a walk in the park. <laughs> so you do have to schedule it and try and ring fence that. Um, the third suggestion is that thing I said to you earlier about find a solitude buddy, if that helps. I find it interesting. We so often are accountable uh, for, you know, sin stuff like, you know, not drinking too much or not having sex with the wrong person or whatever it is. But, um, 
actually accountability to help us live up to our aspirations in God, I think is a really good thing. So it's something like a pattern group. A pattern group <laughs> is the perfect motif. Endorsement. So yeah, no, I think I think all of those things are, are, are essential. And uh, and don't and when you get it wrong, don't don't beat yourself up. Just pick up and start and and, and start again. Just quickly on that, because I think a misconception potentially could be that to be to do this, you yeah. have to be in your room in right, science and all right. that. You talked about going for a walk. How does that relate to the whole introvert extrovert thing and and stillness and all yeah. of that stuff? I mean, I I think. Um, the, the, I see where solitude, I think, begins, because I think it's primarily a state of mind rather than an environmental thing. Um, it is, is finding the, the pockets of, of, of solitude in your ordinary day. That's where it's actually got to begin. Rather than, you know, I will go away to a monastery, you know, twice a year, it's... it's you know, one of the greatest moments of solitude can be a decent length journey on a bus or a tube. Hmm. I mean, if you use it right, I suspect a lot of people are already doing this. You know, plug in, uh, listen to worship music, listen to stuff that's going to feed your soul. You know, we often like rail against the insularity, you know, people on the tube, you know, isolated in their bubble, shutting each other out. But actually, there could be something quite godly about turning into your hermitage, that 20 minutes, half an hour a day and actually doing that. Or if you're a, a mom, say, dropping your kids off, there's always that interesting bit after you drop your kids off at school when you're traveling to wherever you got to next, right there is an invitation to, to, to solitude. You know, biologically, we actually do, unless you're into going to the toilet with other people, we, we are regularly called to solitude. So, I, like, start solitude with, yeah, I, you're an extrovert, so maybe. Even I have boundaries. We, we are hardwired to solitude. So, so just don't waste the opportunities that you already have that stud your day. And then you can go for, like, the... Let's do a you know a day's walk, or let's do a you know um, a retreat, a monastery, or whatever it is, and a daily quiet time. You know, obviously, yeah. I, I tell you one thing is uh, there's this parenting book has this great line. One of the chapters is entitled "How to Beat Your Kids Up," and it, you know it's about you should get up, be- try and get up before your Brilliant. kids, Brilliant. because um, there is a space in the day there that if you can just go to bed a little bit earlier which is which is sacred that can be a space for solitude um but it could i don't want to get over spiritual it could be about staying up late you know i often find that just walking my dog last thing at night you know the kids have gone to bed uh, you know sammy's in bed is is it a beautifully hushed solitary moment mm-hmm. so make the most of those those windows that we all really do have in our, in our lives already I've got a question, actually. It's more, I'd, I'd love your advice on this, because um, there'd be some people who are listening to this who have practised solitude before, yeah. and and even I have practised solitude. But what I've noticed is that you said it earlier, sometimes actually it's a real place of wrestling. Yeah. And emotions come to the surface, and um, you know all the negative stuff we try to push down, all the things that you were saying. That, do you have any advice on how we process those feelings well? and then come back into the real world because it can sometimes feel like it's just there on the surface and you kind of have to re-enter. Well, the first thing is, I think, 
the solitude to expose deep emotion is an amazing and powerful and beautiful thing. I don't think those things are emotions that are being generated by the solitude, but that actually the solitude is removing the false ego self and the other demands that are masking them. So take that as, as a very positive thing. And if it's a fearful emotion, because it might be beautiful emotion, you might be just weeping, lost in wonder, love and praise, but if it's fearful emotion, try and understand that this is therapeutic. That's the first thing is, um, don't run away from this and bury it again. This is this is something God is, is is doing. So then push into the shadow. We spend our lives trying to hide from the shadows. Push into the shadow. Dare to go there. If it's really deep and it's really profound, you may then need to actually draw someone in with you or you can get some counseling to say, there's some shallow stuff I need to I need to walk into and I just don't want to walk into it on my own. But then you've been given the gift by solitude of even being able to frame the question. We all know that's the hard thing in life, right? Yeah. So, but the other times it won't be. I, I was quite a dramatic, you know, where say a trauma's being confronted through solitude. But most of the time, for me, the the the, the, the nasty feelings that I'll have in, in solitude will be, you know, an awareness of, myself in a way that I'm ashamed of and that I have to just do the good old-fashioned Psalm 51, you know, renew a right spirit within me, you know, creating me a clean heart, all that stuff. So um, don't run away from the shadows, take the shadows as a gift. Mm. That's what I think I would say. That's great. Any last encouragements to us? Anything you want to say to us as a church, anyone listening to this on the idea of solitude? You're probably already better at it than you realise. Don't beat yourselves up. Um... This is essential to you stepping into your destiny. Um, I'd be shortchanging you if I said it wasn't. Um, so, you know, do, do, do learn to do it. And you'll probably never get it right. So even in trying to do it, if you sometimes think, I'm terrible at this, at least you're trying. And ultimately, this stuff isn't about becoming uh, or being, it's about worship. And it's the intention of our hearts. Even the very desire for solitude is itself an act of worship. But do something about it, you know. Get your pattern group to help you. And and, um, and it's a gift. You know, spiritual disciplines are delights, really. Uh, and and this is delightful. I, I even think, um, you know, my wife's an off-the-charts extrovert. But... You know, she started heading off to a cafe on her own with her journal and she plugs in. And I know she looks forward to that. And so make this delightful. Make this something you'll look forward to. Don't, this, this isn't meant to be horrible. For me, I, I mean, my, 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 you know, monthly prayer, prayer walk day. You know, I could build that to you as this big spiritual thing and make you think I'm some holy dude. But honestly, I, you know, I, I load the dishwasher. I, you know, get, we've got two dogs now, actually. I, I go for a walk, like, out to this country pub. It's like a two and a half hour walk. I really like that. It's fun. I will chat to God a bit. Sometimes I'll lapse into silence. I'll get to the pub. I'll have a nice meal and a seasonally appropriate drink. I'll read a Christian book. I'll journal a bit. And I'll wander home with a full belly, 
a nice drink inside me, processing what I've been thinking about. I so I get home, if you imagine about six hours later, I've had a really nice day and I'm a nicer person. And I can build that to you as, wow, I said a seven-hour prayer day, but actually any I anyone can do that. And almost everyone I talk to goes, that sounds nice. Well, that's not a bad place to start. So basically, buy a dog, go to the pub, enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I know you're joking, but where that many people listen to this live in a very busy city, but yeah. find your equivalent. It could be, you know, swimming circuits at the local pool. It, 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 it could be, um, it could be, you know, taking three hours at yeah. a cafe. It could be, um, it could be a whole bunch of I things. Pete, thank you so much. We've got just tons out of that. Thank Great, you. really appreciate your time. Thanks. It's a joy. Thank you for listening to the Pattern Podcast. If you'd like to explore more spirit-filled patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.